Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now you've had enough of the world screaming in your ear and telling you it's going to be this way, it's going to be that way. All of the prognostication and diagnosis. Now it's time to cut off that channel and tune in to what the Spirit of God is saying unto you. For now is the time of your deliverance. Now is the time of your healing. And now is the time of your victory. So rejoice in that and look not to that which is darkness, but to that which is light. For the light is breaking through for you. Hallelujah. I have been uh, thinking about things. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, you know, I begin to think back of years, years, back, years before we ever started the church when we traveled a lot. And, uh, you know, there were times where I, I thought I was crazy, you know, because I just... I'd go week after week after week after week and man just see such glorious things and God would move so powerfully. And I remember telling the Lord one time, I said, I think I've lost all concept of time. I think two or three years went by and I, I was like, three years have gone by? You know, just, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, when you walk in faith, time's not relevant. Faith is a timeless force. It doesn't bow to the clock or the calendar. Amen. And so I begin to, you know, uh, uh, think about some of the things I, I want to teach, some of the things that I've uh, developed over the years. And, you know, I, I can't get away from God's power and his ability to work in our generation. I, I think that's why God let me witness and be a part of it in previous generations is because he knew there'd come a time in my life when I needed to bring it to my generation. And let me just say this, church, we, we're not experiencing uh, what I have experienced in ministry. But we will. But we will. You say, why? Because we're contending for it. I was a revivalist for almost 20 years. Everywhere I went, there was revival. Churches, I remember one particular church added 36 families in one revival meeting we had. I mean, we saw signs and wonders and miracles equivalent to anything that Christopher would see in his African crusades. And, you know, it was a, I believe it was a period of time in which God was winding up the charismatic move. It was just winding up, you know. But, you know, now we've been contending for a move of God now for almost 20 years. Not that we've not seen God move. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is God raising us to a level in which most of our activity and effort is going to be spiritual. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that your time is not your own, never will be, never was. But you've got to be willing to give that time to the Lord. I know even now, I've, I've, uh, a revival has broken out in our church, but most people don't know where it's at. Amen. You say, well, where is it? It's in the prayer room. And I thank God it's in the prayer room because if it's in the prayer room, it'll come here. Amen. It won't go from here into the prayer room, but it will come from the prayer room into here. Amen. And so, you know, these, these times of prayer that we have, we've got almost a week coming up of prayer. Uh, we'll pray tonight. You say, well, Pastor, aren't we just spinning our wheels? Well, what do you think? I don't. I mean, I believe that we're, we're moving faster and quicker toward whatever it is. And I believe whatever it is is so glorious that we don't really have uh, the adjectives in our vocabulary to describe it. But let me tell you something about God. God loves people. And God loves his family, but God loves them people out there. For God so loved the, every drug addict, every crackhead, every crazy politician, every person out there. And if somebody is really ticking you off right now, you ought to really pray for them. 
I think there would be nothing more awesome than to see uh, Hunter Biden saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and to go into the mission field, go to Ramah. What, what would happen if Hunter Biden got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost went to Ramah next fall? See, when we get in there and pray in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says we don't know how nor what to pray for. But when you do it week after week, month after month, year after year, like we're doing, I guarantee you it's given, given God ability to do things that, that would not be done. You know, I, let, let me say this and we'll get in our message. I've heard several men say this that I have tremendous respect for, even my pops, even my dad. And they love the Word of God and they put the Word of God first place in their life above everything else. But this is what every one of them says. Without the baptism in the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, the Word would never have been able to do what it did in our lives without the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And we're going to see a great outpouring of the Spirit where many people are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You say, that's the will. Is that the will? That's the will of God. People get saved. Fill with the Holy Ghost and to live for God for however short time that we have. Amen? Now, we're, we're looking at the subject of operational faith. Turn, if you will, to the book of Mark chapter 5. Very familiar chapter in the teaching and proclamation of faith in our generation. Brother Kenneth E. Hagan uh, uh, preached on Mark chapter 5 and wrote a little mini book. I don't know if it's still available. maybe, But it's called How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. Literally, God gave him this message driving down the road one day. He pulled his old car over and took some notes, and literally that note became those notes became that mini book. And God showed him in this simple message of this woman with the issue of blood that there's a way to write your own ticket with God. We'll look at that in just a moment. But this is also a message that has a message in the middle of it. There's the there's the initial story of Jairus who had a who had a crisis in his home. I mean, if your daughter's dying, that's a crisis. And so based upon that crisis, uh, he comes to Jesus. And, and as we looked last week, he came the right way. Yeah. He humbled himself. He made a, a statement of faith. He said, you come to my house, you lay your hands on her and she shall be healed and she shall live. Yeah. Amen. So remember that what he said. He said what he said was his faith. Now you have to remember that because we're going to go somewhere with that in a minute. What he said, what he said, what he said, what he said. See, you've got to understand. What you say determines the level in which your faith is going to operate on. That's why you ought to just speak the word. Just speak the word. Say, well, what should I say? Should I say, I'm sick, I'm infirmed, I'm having symptoms, I'm having this, I'm having that. A devil tried to attack me with something. What day was that? A couple of days ago. I mean, just we were going, uh, we're going to dinner or something. I said, turn around, take me home. I mean, I could, I, we didn't make it home, did we? And, uh, I crawled in bed with my two weenie dogs. And I said, I'm getting up in the morning healed. Did I? Did I? You say, why are you saying that? There's got to be a resistance in you to everything that comes into your physical body, your natural mind, your finances that's negative, trying to do anything that attacks your happiness, your joy, and your well-being. You've got to rise up and say, no, no, you're not going to do it. Now, whatever fight entails after that initial no, you fight it. You fight your fight. fight. You got a whole church here who will stand with you. 
You got a pastor that's radical enough to believe with you for whatever you're going to believe God for. You, know, you believe in for the total miracle? Let's go for it. Hallelujah. Let's go for it. Amen. We've got to be bold enough in the Word of God and in our faith to recognize that this operational faith is operational in us. It works for us. It works in us and it's working through us to bless people. So here's, here's Jairus. He's in the crisis of life. He's a ruler of a synagogue, Jesus being a rabbi at the time. He comes to Jesus in the right way, humbly, submits himself, makes a statement of faith, and Jesus says, come on, I'll go with you, and they begin to move toward Jairus' house. Amen? Now, on this journey, I like to call it a faith journey. On this journey came an interruption. Everybody say interruption. You must understand interruptions in your journey of faith are not denials from God. Amen? Uh, an individual that I, I studied after that was healed of a very serious disease cried out to God one time and said, God, if you were, Jesus, if you were to appear in front of me, I would say to you, I believe I received my healing, but I'm not healed. You know what the Lord said to him? He says, you do believe you received your healing, but you don't know enough yet to receive it. You need to keep on digging in the Word. It took him two more months of digging in the Word, and he found it. And God raised him up out of the, off of the deathbed. He would have died of the sickness. Amen? Now, you've got to realize, you walk along in faith. You've got a crisis in life. God ministers something to you. You've got it. You begin to walk, then all of a sudden it doesn't look like it's working anymore. It just looks like that in the natural to you. That does not mean it's not working. Well, I was believing God for a better reporter. I was believing God for this or that. Well, stay, stay close to his word because you're not believing God for, for God's report to change. You're believing God for their report to change. Amen. Amen. So here's this interruption. And this, interru this interruption looked like a desperate act. Amen. Uh, a, a woman that people had seen around town for 12 years that every time anyone sees her around town, her head is covered. And she's crying out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Everybody knew her story. She was a woman with an issue of blood and suffered many things of many physicians, suffered 12 years, was nothing better but rather grew worse. But, but, when she heard of Jesus, listen, it's that simple. Why do we struggle? Why, listen, why do we have such a hard time with this? When she heard of Jesus, what did she hear? You can go back to Mark chapter 3, and it talks about people coming up and touching his garment and being healed by the touch, by the touch of faith on the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ. She heard that. She heard that. That's all she heard. She didn't sit in a Bible school class. She didn't come to a faith teaching church. She did not, none of that. She just heard people are touching his garment and they're being healed. So she grabbed it. And she said, and she said, and she said, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Now let me ask you a question. Who is framing this miracle? She is. Let me say it again. Who is framing this miracle? She is. That ought to give you great hope in your heart. 
That ought to put a hope on the inside of you that as you feed that hope, faith comes and faith becomes the substance of the evidence of things hoped for. Amen. And you begin to receive from God a perpetual release of faith through confession and action brings a a perpetual flow of God's provision into your life. So let's pick it up there. A certain woman with an issue of blood suffered many things, many physicians, 12 years. Nothing better, rather grew us. Now notice, when she heard of Jesus, everybody say heard. We know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So Brother Hagin's book, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God, four points, four simple points. Now let me read it first. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, now notice this, knowing what was done in her. Something was done. I said, Something was done. I said something was done and Jesus didn't even know it. I I think you you ought to shout on that one. He didn't even know it. Told him all the truth. He said unto her daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole in thy plague. So the four points would be she heard, she said, she did, she told. She heard, she said, she did, she told. She heard, she said, she did. That's gone off in my head for 39 years. I've, I've meditated on that for 39. She heard, she said, she did, she told. She heard, she said, she did, she told. She heard, she said, she did, she told. It's that simple. And she was made whole of that plague. Now pick it up in verse 35. While he yet spake, or while Jesus spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Everybody say bad report. So let me, let me just say something. Does a, does a bad re- report, does that nullify the word of God? Absolutely not. But I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you can, let a, you can let a bad report really mess you up. Amen? Now, I, I know, listen, I know our, our doctors and our, our uh, uh, people in the medical profession, they're just like people in the ministry, like any other profession in life. Nobody's perfect. Nobody, nobody does everything in a perfect way. We thank God for what we have. Amen? But in the midst of us, much of the options... Of our, of, our, of our great medical society are becoming very, how, how could you say, kind of, becoming kind of blurred. I don't know if we're going to live in a day in which medicine will turn into, a, into tyranny. I don't know. I hope not. But I know that if there is a day that there's no other option but divine healing, God will come through. Amen. Amen. In the meantime, we're going to have to deal with reports, diagnosis, prognosis, Treatment plans, all that type of stuff. Let me just say this to every one of you. Make sure you have peace in your heart about anything that you do medically. If you don't have peace in your heart about it, then you stay right there in a neutral position till you have peace in your heart. 
Amen. You say, well, I don't know if that's right or not. Well, it better be because you don't want to do something that will end up hurting you. So here comes this report. Now listen, this report was a final report. It's over. The devil loves that. He loves to come to you and say, it's over. It's over. There ain't nothing you can do. And really what he's saying is this, time has run out. Time has. I used to give an illustration of uh, of all the different all the different sports. You know, all the different sports that are played on the clock. When the clock runs out, no matter how good a game it is, it's over. The clock runs out. Basketball done. We're not playing any more games. That's the championship. Amen. Football's like that. Play it on the clock. Fourth quarter, boom. May go into overtime, but when that clock runs down, you're done. But baseball's not like that. So after we met Daryl Strawberry, I thought I kind of figured Jesus liked baseball. You know. <laughs> because they don't put a clock on it. <laughs> but faith is like baseball. You see what I mean? Faith is like baseball. There's not a clock running up there that when it runs down, that's it, the devil gets, well, the devil wins because the clock ran out. Amen? No, 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 the clock doesn't run out until you say it runs out. I, don't, I didn't get a good enough amen on that one. I said the clock doesn't run out until you, until you say it runs out. Amen? And just like in baseball, you just got to stand in that batter's box. And if he, listen, if he's swinging and throw, if he's throwing uh, dirty pitches at you, no matter what he's doing, you just stay in there and you keep swinging and you don't look at the devil for instructions about how to play the game. You look at the umpire. Yeah. And he'll give you every strike you need. And you can, sit up, you can stand up there and swing till you drive whatever the devil's tormenting you with down his throat if you won't step out of that box, if you'll just stand in there and keep speaking the word, keep standing in faith, and keep doing what God's called you to do. Sure, the reports are going to come, but what you do with the reports is you stand close to him, close to the word. Amen. Now notice this. I love this. This it gets really good. While he yet spake, here they come. There's always that crowd. They come from the synagogue, uh, synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. It's over. It's over. Bad report. Now notice this. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, are you close enough to him where every word that gets spoken, he's able to talk with you about the word that's spoken? Let me say that again. Oh, here's a better way. Thank you, Lord. I love the Holy Ghost. He's the best preacher in the world. Are you close enough to him where he can overhear every negative thing that comes into your life? I've said it to him. Did you hear that? He'd say, I did. Then he'd say something like this to me. What are you going to do about it? So he's, Jairus is still there. Look, he could have, two things could have happened. Number one, when that woman delayed that procession, He could have got real bad about that because he was the one that was in charge of literally implementing Jewish law and she was breaking law by being on that street. He could have said, man, I knew that woman was going to give me trouble and right when I needed Jesus the most, that woman got in my way and got my miracle. You don't believe that happens. That happens to people. Don't you ever let that happen in a delay in your life and somebody steps up and get a miracle. You rejoice with them, you dance with them, you run with them, you shout with them, and I guarantee you'll get your miracle. God will not withhold it from you. But if you get bitter, you get mad. Well, I've served God for 45 years, and I don't know why I'm having to something. You better shut that up, and you better make a decision. I'm going to stand in faith, and I'm going to receive that which God said I, it belongs to me in Jesus' name. Amen? 
Because people get like that. I tell you, I don't know why they got their prayer answered. Well, I mean, you're, you're messed up already if that's your attitude. But he was there. Jesus was there where he could hear it. Jairus did not leave him. And Jesus was not going to leave Jairus. Now listen to the, to the phrase he uses, though. Let me find it here. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the words or the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, now listen, listen, be not afraid, only believe. Now, this brings us to what I call a technical point of faith. He said, now, pastor, the circumstance has changed. Would you agree? Now, he, he left the house with a sick daughter. Now, the reports come that he's died, so the circumstances changed. They bring a bad report. But thank God Jesus is close enough to hear the report, and he turns to Jairus and says, Be not afraid. Don't quit believing. So Jairus could have said what? Believe what? She's dead. But he didn't. Amen? Which means, listen, the faith that you initiate to get you what you're believing God for, you stick with that. You stick with that. You stay with that. I don't let the devil say, well, that's not enough, and, and you need this, you need that. No, listen, if you know you've got the Word on the inside of you, if it's working on the inside, you stick with that Word. If the circumstance changes, don't be afraid. Don't be, just keep on believing. So Jairus could have said, okay, what do I believe? Well, what would Jesus have, what would Jesus have said? He said, believe what you said when you came to me in the first place. Believe what you said because you said, if I could come and lay my hands on her, she shall be healed and she shall live. Don't quit believing that, Jairus. Don't quit believing that, Jairus. Don't quit believing that, Jairus. Don't quit, don't look over there. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to those mourners. I know they're bringing the coffin in on a cart. Don't look at that. And he suffered no man to follow him, save, save Peter, James, John, the brother of James. Now listen, this is such a precious scripture. You say, why? Because Jairus started out in a crowd. We all start out in a crowd. Small crowd, large crowd, doesn't matter. We'll start, but now Jesus is fixing to give him some personal attention. Don't you ever miss your day of visitation. Don't you ever miss, I'm so glad I didn't miss that Wednesday night on March the 7th, 1984. My day of visitation. Could have missed it. I could have, but I didn't miss it. I'm so glad I didn't miss it. I've had other days since then that I'm so glad I didn't miss. They were days of visitation, days of impartation, days of receiving, days of being blessed, and days of being a blessing to others. You don't want to miss it. Keep on believing. Now notice this. He suffered no man to follow him. Say Peter, James, John, the brother of James, personal attention. He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the turmoil and them that wept and wailed greatly. Professional mourners. <laughs> Be careful. What you hear and how you hear it when you're listening to the media. 
They are professionals. They are professionals. They study communication. They know how to manipulate. They know how to deposit little snippets of information that cause whole masses of people to think a different way. You tell me words aren't powerful. You tell me words aren't powerful. But I tell you, we know the one that's got the word. I said we know the word. Amen? Wow. Look at the scene they're walking into. Now think what he's walking. Think of J.R.S. Now he's walking into this. He's got, now, now he started out. Everything looked good. I mean, we're moving to the house. Then there's this delay and this woman gets a miracle. Okay, we're doing good. Here comes the report. Man, that just knocks your knees out from under you. All right, but we're still hanging with Jesus. And now we're walking into this scene at my house. Oh my God, what's going on? The funeral director's there. The mourners are there. They're measuring her for for clothes. I'm thinking, my God, what's going on here? But Steve, you got to just stay close to Jesus. He just kept walking close to Jesus. Now notice, not only does that happen, now notice what else happens. And when he was come in, Jesus, he's with the ruler there. And they're weeping and wailing and all this. And when he was coming, he or Jesus said unto them, Jesus said, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Oh, we all amen that. But wait till you get into a situation where you have to say, no, we're believing God for healing. We had a friend, pastor friends of ours that were diagnosed with a malignant tumor in the brain. And man, I'm telling you, they were in a fight. And they fought and fought, and they, 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 they found out through this, through this ordeal that there were those coming in, and even though they went to the same church, and even though that they were uh, people that should have known better, they weren't speaking faith, they were speaking unbelief. So they started, they started uh, 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 how, how would you say it? They started letting some people in, other people they wouldn't let in. Yeah. Some of them were relatives. But when you're fighting for someone's life, you better know what you're doing. They put a big old sign on the back of a room that said, no wavering. And they stood and they spoke and they stood and they had a couple of reports. Didn't look like it was getting any better. But one day, glory to God, they did an x-ray and they could not find nothing in her brain. And she's still alive today and still ministering today. So Jesus just walks in. Funeral people are there. Everybody's there. They're all crying, wailing, weeping. He says, why is all this going on? She's just sleeping. She's just sleeping. Amen. Now notice their reaction. The Bible says what? They laughed him to scorn. That's the world's reaction to the miracle working power of God. They laugh him to scorn. Laugh him to scorn. They laughed at Oral Roberts. They laughed at Brother Hagin. They la- Listen, they laughed at all. They'd laugh at him today. They laughed at Benny Hinn. They're still laughing. But the Bible says when he had put them out. That's why you don't need to argue with anybody. Well, I want to tell you, no, don't argue with anybody. Let the word put them out. Just stand on the word. Then when the miracle happens, you get a good, I told you so. I told you prayer works. I told you faith works. Amen? Let the word put them out. Everybody say, put them out. So the word put them out. Everybody say, the word put them out. But now notice this next part. I love hanging around Jesus. He's so cool. They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them out, he taketh the father and the mother, the damsel, them that were with him, 
entered into the damsel, where the damsel was lying, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithi kumni, which being interpreted is, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now, I've still got a couple of minutes. I'm going to stop here for a minute because this is going to help you. You that come on Wednesday and are studying our, our uh, subject of redemption, Remember when we looked at Mary and, 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 and she was, you know, cast in her mind and how can this be sin? I know I'm not a man. What God was telling her to do was to do something she couldn't do. He was actually saying, I want you to have a child, but I don't want you to have it the natural way, but you have it a supernatural way. Amen. Now, when Jesus walks into this scene, he speaks to what I guess we must conclude is a lifeless body. And what does he do? He tells the lifeless body to do something it cannot do. Now, now hold on with me. Stay with me real Because, you know, all, when we hear this kind of stuff, we all go back to, oh, yeah, if Jesus would do that for me, if he would walk into my hospital room, if he would come into my sick bed, amen? But you have to understand, we have him in the form of a message called the Word. Yes. It's still the same. I said it's still the same. So you've got to make a decision when the Word arrives, Jesus arrives. He's here. Say he's here. He's here. Now if he's here, he comes with everything that he is. He's healer. He's Savior. He's baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He's deliverer. He's our joy. He's our righteousness. He's our peace. He's our all in all. He's our alpha, omega, beginning. He shows up in everything that he is, in all of his glory. He is the word of God. So he tells this girl, get up. She can't get up, but within his words is the power to help her get up. Amen. But see, he's not operating on her faith. He's operating on daddy's faith. And daddy's faith released Jesus to do anything he needed to do to get that girl healed. What did Jairus believe? Get to my daughter, lay your hands on her, and she may be healed. What's the end of the story? He got to Jairus' daughter, laid his hands on her, and she was healed and made whole. It's that simple. Now, Remember what we're doing. We're calling this operational faith for this one purpose. These are not people that Jesus was in a journey to find them in their tragedy. These were people that in their tragedy sought him. Sought him. Sought him. And when they found him, what did they get? They got everything they thought or everything they believed that he was. Jairus believed he's the healer of my daughter. The woman with the issue of blood believed he's the healer of my issue of blood. The, 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 the uh, madman at Gadara in the first part of the chapter believed he's the one that delivered me from 6,000 demons. See, everything that Jesus does for you empowers you to tell. And God becomes exactly what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those that come to him must believe that he is. What was he for Jairus? He, he was the raiser of his daughter. For the woman of the Israel, he was the healer of that. For the madman at Gadara, he was the deliverer. He becomes the God you need him to be. Not this just generic, well, God. No, he becomes God. 
maybe the God of the healing of your body, God of the breakthrough of your fire, whatever it is, you have to embrace, hear, say, act, and then tell. It's that simple. And as we go through these stories in the Gospels, you'll see that this pattern is repeated over and over and over from Genesis through Revelation. I think God's trying to show us something. The men and women that I knew that excelled in their faith over the years were men and women that kept it so simple. So simple. I I first came back to the Lord, uh, started Bible school, and I... I, uh, I loved studying redemption. I had a, uh, a friend, still a friend of mine, Mark Hankins, and he was sending me all, all, all this redemptive stuff I was reading. I was reading Kenyon's books, and uh, somebody invited me to a meeting. Now, I'd been in Bible school. This was, this was before the holidays, so it, be, it would have been uh, before Thanksgiving. And somebody invited to me on, uh, to a meeting on an off night, like a Tuesday or a Thursday or something like that, because I had, I had prayer at the, at the Ward's house on Tuesday night, church on Wednesday night, church on Sunday night, Bible school all during the week. So somebody said, go with us to this meeting. These people are, are like on another level of redemption. And so I went to, you know, I expected, you know, I've been going to, to Bible school at Lakewood. I expected a huge crowd. I walk into this room, there's about 15 people there, and they all look kind of mean. And so I, I started, you know, I, I got my, I, my, I was a student at the time, so I had my Bible school stuff with me. So I sat down like I was going to take notes. And so this guy got up and unfolded his Bible. And the first thing he did is he started to criticize everybody else that taught on redemption. Now, I'd only, been in, I'd only been back to the Lord since March, and this was in late October, early November. And right there, I knew, I knew right there, this guy's off. This guy's off. And he took 15 minutes telling why, why Kenyon was wrong and Hagen was wrong and, and this one was wrong and that one was wrong and how he's right. And I thought, well, all 15 people showed up to hear this tonight, eh? And so he took off and he wasn't five minutes into that teaching to where my spirit man on the inside was just jumping up. So I quit taking notes, shut my Bible, shut my notebook and just sat there till he finished. And I just got up and walked out. That shows you that no matter what whatever subject there is in the Bible that you can take, if man gets a hold of it, he's going to complicate it. He's going to stretch it into the soulish realm. And honey, once it hits that soulish realm, it goes into the complication of man's minds. But I'm going to tell you, you can take the word, the black ink on the white page, that's it. If God said it, that settles it. I know there used to be a bumper sticker. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No matter you believe it or not. If God said it, that settled it. If he said, by my stripes, you're healed. Okay, that's it. Well, my body's telling me something different. Well, it don't matter what my body's telling me. This is what I'm going to believe. Operational faith is something. I, I, I named it that because someone else used another frame. He calls another phrase. He said the lifestyle of faith. This is what, what a, a powerful man of God said right before he went to be with the Lord. He said, in this dispensation, this time, right before Jesus comes back, people will learn to live the lifestyle of faith. Not just use faith as something that sits on their spiritual shelf that is taken down when they need it, but no, they will live in faith every day. Every day. They'll be speaking faith, acting on faith, walking. Well, I don't know how much closer we can get to that, but we're getting pretty close. And if that's what it takes, listen, if that's what it takes to make it, the Bible says those that endure to the end, If that's what it takes, then that's what we're going to do. We're just going to stay in faith. We're going to believe God. We're not going to back off His power. 
You know, the Bible says that our faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Almighty God. And I think about the three great power sources. I'm going to do a message on this too. The three great power sources of the kingdom. The power of the Word. Oh my goodness. He upholds all things by His mighty Word of power. Amen? That great, that great investment into that word of, of, of power and anointing. The power. Of, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the preaching of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation is healing, preservation, sound, and safety deliverance. Then you have the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you shall receive power. Dynamis, outward working power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what about, what about the power of the name of Jesus? Every knee must bow of things in heaven, earth, under the earth. See, they didn't have that in Jairus' day. They didn't have that, they didn't have that in, in, in the woman with the issue. But we have it today because we have a risen Savior seated at the right hand of the Father who made that investment of power then handed it to us, His church upon the earth. Isn't that good? Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you that faith is working. Faith is working. Faith is working in the men and women of Island Church, in the families of Island Church, in the businesses of Island Church, in the ministries of Island Church, at the jobs that Island Church's people are such a witness at. Thank you. The Word is working mightily. Lord, you said in the book of Acts, so grew the word, mightily grew the word, and prevailed. Thank you, Father, for the prevailing word. Prevailing over sickness and disease, poverty and lack, sin and unrighteousness, hopelessness, fear, pain. Thank you for the word. Quickly before we dismiss, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not living right, I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God. Maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have at one time, but you've strayed from the Lord. But you need to return to your first love. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If that's you this morning, if God's dealing with your heart, say, Pastor, I do. I need to be right with God. I don't want to walk out of this service today not knowing that I'm right with God. I want to pray with you. Anybody like that here? I want you to lift your hand up high. Let me see it. Anyone at all? God bless you. I see one in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see another. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Anyone else? Well, say, that's me, Pastor. I just need to be right with God. And let me say this about salvation, being saved. I've heard people say, I don't want to be some religious fanatic. Neither do I. Also, don't want to go to hell. God never chose for any person to go to hell. And He doesn't send people to hell. God created a place called heaven for His creation to abide, for His creation to live in. But you have to come to a conscious decision in your life. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The number one, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you're a sinner. That's not a prejudice term. That's not a, a term of, of, uh, uh, you know, of trying to put somebody down. That is an identification phrase from the Bible that describes you as somebody that needs a Savior. 
That's what a sinner is. All a sinner is. A sinner is not somebody going out there doing all a bunch of sin. No, a sinner is someone that needs a Savior. That's what a sinner is. Someone that needs. So that's the second thing you need to know. You need a Savior. And that's why we have Island Church. So that we can introduce you to the Savior. His name is Jesus. So I've heard of Jesus. What difference does that make? It makes this difference. He lived on the earth only 33 and a half years. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He did signs, wonders, and miracles. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead, but he did it for you as an individual. If God knew you were the only person that would ever accept him, he would have still sent his son. For he didn't love you. He so loved you. He so loved you. So one more time, before we dismiss, before we pray a prayer, anyone else here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I were to die, I'd go to heaven, but I want to be sure of that. Raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Anyone at all? Thank you, Lord. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Now, yeah, everybody can look this way. Three people have raised their hands. But let me say, I feel compelled to say this. If you're sitting there, you know, with your heart beating in your chest and you know you're supposed to raise your hand, but you're not going to do it, don't, listen, come back again. Keep exposing yourself to this. Keep, this is good. This is good. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. I said, this is good. Yeah. You may not understand it. You may not can figure it out. But come back and expose yourself to it again. And again, if necessary. And again, if necessary. But if you'll do that, God will gently woo you and bring you in. And one day you'll recognize, man, I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I know there's a Savior. Jesus loves you. Amen. Everybody stand on your feet. Let's all pray a prayer out loud. You three that have raised your hands as the congregation prays this prayer, pray it with them and pray it out loud so your own ears have heard it. After you pray the prayer, when we say amen, you settle it that you're right with God, that you're right and you're going to stay right. Everybody say stay right. Stay right. Church, you ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, Father. right now, now. openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. Thank you, God. You sent your Son, Jesus. You so loved me, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. It's mine in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, areas of my life in which I seem so weak, thank you, Father, that you strengthen me and give me a resolve to serve you no matter what. Devil, you look at me. I don't belong to you. Get out of my life in Jesus' name. Jesus, you're mine and I'm yours. I need everything you have. You can have everything I am. I thank you for saving me. In your precious name, I rejoice. Now take a moment and rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now don't forget our our prayer class tonight. What a stirring in prayer we've been having. Come and be refreshed. I tell you, there's such a refreshing spirit in prayer. And I guarantee you, you will be blessed. A victorious week. Four people are going to have one. Amen.
a victorious week? Your light's going to shine? Jesus is going to be the Lord? And the devil is defeated. Father, thank you for our service today. Thank you for our protection during the week. We never take it for granted, Lord. We always declare Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father. In our travels, in the righteous labor of our hands, in all we do and everywhere we go, we thank you that we're protected. And we do. We use our authority. We cancel assignments against God's people. Devil, you are a liar. In the name of Jesus, you are under our feet. We remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago, and we stand in the power that God has granted us. Father, we thank you that as we leave, evangelism stirs in our heart. Thank you as we prepare for the conference coming. There's a stirring in us. The people that surround us every day. The people that we do life with that need Jesus. Those that need a miracle of healing, a breakthrough. Thank you, Father, that we have a door of utterance to them. Uh, yeah, Lord. Thank you for an anointing upon Island Church to invite people to church. Not just for our conference, but for every service. We've had enough no's. We've had enough no's. Let people come to themselves and see what's happening to this planet and recognize they need Jesus. Anoint us, Lord. Anoint us, Father, with the word in our mouth, the testimony of our faith. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. Covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.